Welcome to Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. This week it is my pleasure to welcome Mike and Baird and Lisa Bryant, co-directors and executive producers of the new Netflix documentary, Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich. Here's the trailer. You're taught that predators are old men in alleys. You're not told that a friend, a socialite, a woman can be a predator too. When Epstein was first arrested, it's hard to know why Maxwell was not arrested at the same time. I met Maxwell and Epstein when I was just 16 years old through my sister, Maria Farmer. We were both abused, and I'm going to be testifying at her trial. Without Ghislaine's help, Jeffrey Epstein could never have abused more than 500 victims. I hope that Maxwell is held accountable for what she's done. She basically played the role of a madame. Class can cloud reality. And Ghislaine capitalized on that. She exhibits characteristics of a narcissist. I believe that she didn't think she was doing anything wrong. She knew she was going to make these high-powered men happy. On a scale of shock, she'd be a great wife. One of the most eagerly anticipated criminal trials. She fed a monster, you had to kind of be a monster to do it. That was the trailer for the new Netflix documentary, Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich. And this is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. Disgraced financier and convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein was one of the most infamous sexual predators, using his money and influence to hide his secret life preying on young girls. But he wasn't alone, aided by Ghislaine Maxwell, the British socialite and daughter of privilege, who is just as much a monster as Epstein, as revealed in this new Netflix documentary. Join us as we talk with Mike and Baird and Lisa Bryant, co-directors and executive producers, about the bravery of the victims, the challenges of telling this horrible and shocking tale, the ability of the powers that be to cover up the biggest scandal since Watergate, and how Mikan discovered her talents as a voice artist. Stay tuned. Mike and Baird and Lisa Bryant, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Uh, Lisa, how are you? Terrific. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Well, it's, uh, the honor is ours. Uh, and Mikan, how are you doing? Great. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Well, it's, it's great to have you. Uh, just to remind our listeners and viewers, we're talking about the film Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich. Uh, it's a Netflix feature which premiered in November. So a good uh, welcome again and hearty congratulations on, uh, on, uh, on your film. And uh, I, I, I checked uh, today. It's doing quite well, at least here in the UK. I think it's still top five. So uh, I know it's proven to be quite a quite popular. Um, may seem obvious, given the title, but, but Mike, and uh, we usually start off here with uh, asking the, uh, the, the directors or the filmmakers, uh, what, is, uh, what is their film about? What is Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich, all about? Maybe you can give us a synopsis. Uh, the film Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich, is really about a woman who had um, a very privileged background from the UK and who somehow 
managed to get herself into this world of uh, you know, very rich and sort of dark, seedy underbelly world in New York. And uh, I was just very curious as to how that happened. How did she get into that from this mm. very elite English kind of world? Why would she, you know, get into that? And that's really what the film is about, is why she got into it, what happened, the trial, and where she is now. Mm. And and Lisa... Um... I mean, what? Why now? What are you hoping to add to the to the story? I mean, superficially, I would say some might think there's not much more to say. I know you've been involved with the story for a while. I've uh, I've certainly seen uh, your work looking at this subject previous to this. Uh, for transparency's sake, we've had another Ghislaine Maxwell doc here on the podcast, uh, exactly, almost exactly a year ago. So, what was it that you uh, were hoping to add to this to the story? Well, what I think so so unique and so different from Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, is this is a woman. You know, he didn't act alone. It was very obvious there were many other people, but, you know, he was the head, but she was the number two, you know, almost one and one, if you will, because he couldn't operate alone. So we wanted to explore this female angle that is so crazy and the psychological logical aspects of that. And, um, you know, I think throughout the film, you'll see that, you know, the people we spoke with, the women in particular, um, feel like Ghislaine was in many cases worse than Jeffrey because this is a woman that they trusted. You know, she mm. groomed them, became their friend and whatever they needed to to have or, or to hear from her. Um, she would do that and she would gain their trust and, you know, entrap them that way. So to try to unravel and unpeel that onion of her and and how she could do that, why she could do that, what her motivations were, you know, the psychology behind that we, we felt was fascinating. And we did a little differently, um, I think, than some of the others we tried to by gaining inside access through one of the testifying victims, Annie Farmer, who so bravely came forward. And, and we had some privileged access with her and her attorney. So, um, you know, that was a little bit different. And, and we just hope to uh, bring out some of those things. And, and the women feel very strongly, you know, about her and about her being a woman and feeling really betrayed by that. Mm. I think that's a very important point. And I, I may I add, uh, I don't usually uh, editorialize here, but as someone who's watched a lot of these, um, I think that is the big difference. And uh, the the voice of, of the victims coming through loud and, and clear. And I, I guess, Mike, and I mean, uh, we, as I said, we've, we've discussed Ghislaine Maxwell previously on this podcast, so maybe we won't go into all the details of how she gotten to this world and what was driving her but i mean i wouldn't say that other films have been sympathetic but it does seem to me that this is a little more it seems like we get more evidence in terms of what you know the world she was uh sort of in occupying and, and and actually not so much that but what she did in terms of and and hearing it straight from the victims, I think that's, uh, and I guess, was that, I mean, that was your, that was the main focus, wasn't it? You know, you never know once you get into these films what you're going to find. Um, right. You know, she could have been a victim, you know, of Jeffrey Epstein, but this is actually not what happened, is not what we found in our research and all of the mm. reporting that we did on this story. We found that she was actually a predator 
um, mm. and and a scary one. You know, somebody who and 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 because it was very not not clear that she was a predator. She didn't look like you know, sort of quote unquote, look like one, right? Right. right. So I mean. This was a this is a very important story to tell and to see is that for people out there that really like there are women who are walking around who are predators, but who actually come across as something totally different. Um, so that I think we we really tried to dig into. So that was that was important. Okay. And I wanted to add that I think our trailer did a very good job of taking that point of view of, you know, he was a monster and she was, too. Mm. Um, and really kind of unraveling that monster behind the monster uh, is yeah. it was really what we set out to to let people kind of think about. And, you know, we don't want to spoon feed them, their, you know, the, the story. But at yeah. the same time, you want it to be thought provoking. And we really that's the conclusion that we came to. And um, I think the trailer did a good job of of, you yes. know, making people want to watch that. Yeah, no, indeed. And I think, uh, I mean, I guess that makes, like you said, Michael, she could have been a victim. You didn't, you, you took, you went in with, with fresh eyes and in, in looking at this, but uh, um, I guess it makes it even scarier in that way. I guess the victims have told you that too, that you've got two monsters working together. Um, and I mean, Lisa, what maybe, cause where we were um, a year ago when we, uh, this podcast looked at this, uh, the first time uh it was you know the trial we were right in the middle of the trial and it was uh front page news certainly here in the uk um I'm sure in the us and certainly on uh, all the all the news channels and you know what we sensed uh was that uh the result was uh, the 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 verdict was looking very much in doubt in terms of where things were going did you I mean, as you were filming this, did you did you have a sense of that? And uh, uh, did you know? I guess ju justice prevailed in the end. But were you were you surprised? And if not, why not? What? How was that 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 whole that whole period? Uh, it was very interesting. I think it was up and down. You know, after uh, you know a, a survivor would testify, you would you would kind of feel like, wow, she did really great. But then you'd have this cross examination, and they just went after him. Um, I think uh, the the attorneys uh, for Maxwell did did a fairly good job at poking holes in stories in certain uh, uh, certain cases. But at the same time, um, you know, I kind of I guess I felt. Uh, a little bit more uh, that she probably was going to be convicted, but there certainly was doubt because of a certain, you know, holes mm. here and there. And, but you, you had to, every day, uh, you know, it was fascinating. Mike and I were both sitting there. I mean, you could hear a pin drop because everything is just so, you know, crazy for one thing. And, and it, mm. it's really just very interesting how the whole, you know, operation worked. And no matter if it was the pilot testifying about flying them around the world right, or right, it was, right. You know the travel agent who was talking about you know who booked the plane tickets it really was some you know and then of course when the women spoke it was you know jaw-dropping testimony these these are 14 year old children talking about you know what a grown woman you know had allegedly done to them you know and, and many years ago so um i think when at the longer the jury was out though i think the more nervous everybody um became because 
you know, several things. We also had COVID going on and, and COVID was rapidly, you know, there was a new strain and, and we thought, oh my gosh, they're going to have a mistrial because they're too many, they're going to lose all the jurors. And so, so that was kind of a nail biter too, but it did uh, take a little bit longer than I thought I, I know, uh, to, to come to a verdict, uh, whatever that was going to be. Um, so did you feel the same way, Mike? And it was, a, it was a little nerve wracking. Yeah. yeah, it was because there could have been a mistrial, you know, right. and, uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was a nail biter, and it was also between Christmas and New Year or something. So right. it was it was just nobody was there. You know, the sort of the, they felt like the newspapers had sent their kind of stringers. You know, it was just really mm. it was a bleak time for sure. But what I think, and you're talking about the content of the trial. What I think the key points that uh, the jury probably could not get past is the fact that these women who testified. Uh, our, nobody knew each other. They were from different time periods. Um, and, you know, they, they didn't talk. They didn't know each other. And the stories at the root of it were really all the same. They all had to deal with grooming, uh, massage, um, you know, ma manipulation, uh, you know, abuse. Uh, so and, and sometimes abuse by Ghislaine herself. Uh, so at the heart of it all, I think the jury saw that there was, you know, culpability there. And I think, you know, maybe you had a holdout juror who was giving the benefit of the doubt in one case. Mm. And, you know, I think that always happens. But um, I think uh, that's probably what pushed it over the edge is that, you know, yeah. look, these people didn't know each other. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you also raise a good point that, I mean, all these women are all the who testified in this trial and in others are all all very brave uh, and for coming forward. And But one thing that came up even when we were last talked about this here was that, uh, you know, there's the, just the testimony of Annie Farmer, who was, uh, from what we were gathering then, is just what she said when or trying to tell people when she was, you know, way back when, when they were trying to get the, the story out and tell people what was happening to them. It's never changed. It's through all these years, it's been extremely consistent. And maybe we, I mean, that is, she is obviously, you, you, you were, you know, you have, you spent a lot of time with her and uh, um, maybe, can you say something about Annie Farmer and, and uh, you know, your experience working with her and, and on this, on this, uh, on this dock and, uh, and what she, you know, Basically, her her bravery and 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 strength in, in going through all this and uh, you know maybe I guess that would be you know what 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 would you say about that? I don't know, Mike. Do you want to speak to her her strength, and I can speak to her maybe more on a personal level. I feel like yeah. I know her better because I've known her longer. But uh, if yeah. you want to speak to just her bravery and her persistence over the years, I think that's a good thing for you. Yeah, I mean it's 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 amazing that that they. She came out and so did her sister, obviously, back then in the early 90s, which is 30 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, and they just continued and continued and, and they were pursued and, and, and kind of, you know, sort of chased and all kinds of things. And they continued with the same story. And then there, you know, what happened here. But it was that long ago, you know, and it just shows you how long it takes and just with the bravery that they've showed. Yeah, it's incredible. It's really incredible. And I think Annie, knowing her for now like four years and knowing her sister, right. um, besides the fact that they have tried and tried, you know, Annie is mm -hmm. what I call, uh, if you would, kind of the perfect victim or the 
like very right, um, right. unconventional victim. She was not from, um, you know, a poor background. She mm. was not abused as a child. She wasn't from the trailer park. Uh, she's somebody who, you know, is just so far out of the, the realm of what the rest of most of the victims have, have looked like. And so for her, you know, she has really, you know, worked hard on, you know, building herself back up. Um, she is a psychologist now and she's, you know, really wants to speak out and, and her bravery is in wanting to really help others. And she's using, you know, I think through the Netflix platform, she's really trying to uh, encourage others to do the same. Um, so she's really become a role model, I think, um, certainly of, you know, those that testified, um, you know, again, her story is solid as a rock, not that the others, you know, there they were, right. there were some holes in some stories, but I think it's the fact that they were so young um, and had so much abuse. Annie was one time, you know, never went back, uh, you know, and didn't have all those other issues. So I think, um, you know, she really uh, is is d d done a tremendous job at, at keeping her life on the right path. And, you know, she's she still works on herself. And, and you know, even though she is a therapist and and she, you know, feels strongly now to use that to help, you know, others however she can. So she's a tremendous role model and, and a wonderful person. So can't say enough good things about her. And I think, I mean, just to stress here that, uh, again, we are talking about the victims. They were most of them 14, 15, 16, 16. years old at the time, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And it was 16. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that takes us to uh, a point, good point to maybe have a uh, early break for our, uh, our listeners. So we'll be right back with uh, Mike and Baird and Lisa Bryant, co-directors of Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich, a Netflix documentary which uh, premiered uh, last month, this is December 1st, um, on Netflix. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Mike and Baird and Lisa Bryant, co-directors of Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich, a Netflix documentary. Uh, Lisa, we were just actually talking with both of you, but just uh, about um, um, you know the the obviously the the trial and the victims. Um, and I know you did the uh, you were a producer on the Jeffrey Epstein Filthy Rich docu series. Was a Ghislaine Maxwell doc always part of the plan? You know, I think it always cried out for that. She was a portion of that. Uh, you know, that was a docu series, so that was four parts. Um, and you know, her story. You know, it, I think that the Epstein story, I guess, at that time was so shocking. You know, we began that that film, before, that series before he he was he, he was even a thing. He was alive when we started that. And it was about eight months in when all of a sudden there's heat on him. You know, is, is he going to be arrested? He's arrested. And then he died. So there was a lot of pivoting and it was it was a crazy time. And 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 this was no cakewalk either. You know, and, and as Mike and will attest to is it was so difficult uh, in both, you know, series to get people to talk because even though they're right. all over pictures, seen with them and the flight logs and this, that and the other, they never met him, don't know why their name is there, don't want to talk about it, don't want to, don't, you know, just absolutely mm. want nothing to do 
with the story. And uh, so it was extremely difficult. And this one, I think, and, and Mike, and you can really address this. Um, I think in booking people and trying to get people to talk uh, probably was even a bit harder. I think it was easier with, with the women, uh, perhaps this go around, uh, because they lived in fear of him who was still alive and her. Um, but this time, you know, there's a lot of competition in the documentary space. And I'm sure you can speak to that and, and how hard it made our jobs uh, to do that. But yes, I, to answer your original question, um, I th think it always did cry out for one. We kind of immediately began plans uh, yeah. to do that and, and uh, you know, enacted on it. It took a while because of the length of the trial and then the push right. of the delay and all that. But, but Mike, what do you think about uh, how, how difficult it was? I think you were really surprised, right? I mean, I would say it was just absolutely impossible to get people to talk who had known her, you know, uh, many of whom I know personally from my life, who really wouldn't speak to me for a while and and basically don't, did not definitely, they spoke off the record, a lot of them, but they did not want to go on camera ever. I mean, it was really, because being associated with a woman who's been, sex trafficking minor girls hmm. is just not something that anyone wants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so incredibly difficult, yeah. yeah. No, and no, it, but, you know, oh, sorry to interrupt. Was, yeah, no, I, I mean, but the thing is, what I will say is, because uh, I have seen, so I've seen the uh, Jeffrey Epstein docuseries, I've seen, obviously, this other uh, Glenn Maxwell doc that we've had on. Um, there are, I mean... I'm not trying to make a lot of it. There are some people who I, I don't know what they do outside of their time being interviewed for some of these <laughs> docs, right? I mean, let's face it. But I will say some of them, I, I mean, maybe I don't, may not remember it correctly, but some of them seem to go a little bit further. Maybe their memories were a little bit better this time around. I don't know. Maybe it is because uh, Jeffrey's... <laughs> well, I think you dug deeper. I think it was the, yeah, I, something, because they were... Everyone was, well, we kind of heard rumors. No, I remember hearing so-and-so saying this and this, you know, kind of, it just, it did. <laughs> Listen, thank God for those people is all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, um, the, the good thing is we, you know, I mean, I think each documentary has, has its, you know, pluses and, and all of right. that and, and, and new people or people you haven't heard from. But I think um, we did have, you know, a couple of, of really unique people like Petronella Wyatt, for example, mm -hmm. who, who knew her father and knew him as, at, from right. a, him and her from a very young age um, and associated with him. And then, you know, this interior decorator that Ghislaine right. used, who was very fascinating, who not at all, you know, embarrassed or ashamed to admit, you know, he and he wasn't somebody that you saw everywhere. Um, That's true. Uh, as, you know, and then I think what what also kind of set our our documentary apart, at least for when I watch everything, um, is that we had the, um, the the therapist who treats many of the survivors still to this mm -hmm. day, started with them. And I think she has a fantastic insight into these women. And, you know, she's really organic to this particular story. She's not just a generic person who can talk about abuse and how it affects women. She really knows how it affected these particular women, you know, uh, or this group of women, not necessarily those women in, the, in this film, but... Um, so I think, uh, again, each one has something to offer. But but as Micah knows, the, you know, the people you're talking about, um, they did know her, uh, but her best friends now 
wouldn't wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And that's who I think Mike was referring to. Yeah, yeah. And I think, but Mike, I mean, you said if you'd known how difficult would you, it was going to be, maybe you would have said no. How did you get involved with this project? Well, I, I did know her a bit. Um, okay. We, we were not friends, but I, you know, I've met her, I, you know, I sort of have, we have a lot of friends in common. Um, mm. But also just, I was very, very interested in how a woman who was, you know, from a very privileged background with a very good education, why she would choose this route for herself. I really was. I was really, really interested in that. Um, mm. and so I was approached by the team who had done Filthy Rich, Jeffrey Epstein. I was very immediately really interested because I just thought it was a great, great story, as did many, many other people, as it turns out, which is why it was difficult. Most the hardest thing about making this film was just how many other people were making this film. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, and 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 podcasts and films because it yep. was such a great story. Hmm. It is such an incredible story. Um, you know, so that was confirmed by everyone else thinking it was a great story. <laughs> wanted to do the story. Yeah. So that was the toughest part, I think, really, honestly, it was just this so many people not wanting to talk for obvious reasons. And then just, you know, but I think we still did a pretty good job. And I think we did get some really interesting people who said, you know, some great things. But it was, uh, yeah, harder than you would expect because of just so many other films being done and the topic being a topic that nobody wants to be associated with. Right. Of course not. And in the Jeffrey Epstein one, um, I was saying how difficult it was, but you know what? We were the only game in town because nobody would touch it because that right. is the story. That's the real story, power and privilege. Even all the networks and people like that did not want to touch this. They're worried about lawsuits. Mm. Oh, well, he knew Clinton. Well, what if we need to interview President Clinton someday? What if we need to interview Harry and Meghan? As we know, ABC killed their story that they were going to do and could have exposed him five years ago. You know, it's so, it. you know, fortunately, you know, it, it's out, it's done now, but it, it went on mm. for far too long um, and that thus... Anyway, make it, both shows were so difficult to do, mm. and I wasn't surprised. I mean, Mike and kept saying, "Like I was, I can't believe this. I can't believe how hard." I was like, "I really wasn't that surprised." Um, so it wasn't like, "Oh, you know, you're failing in getting these people." Where I knew that it would be extremely difficult, and just getting mm. one or two was a is a huge win. You know what I mean? It, it's just because it, yeah. it the story is what it is, and there's a lot of stigma attached yeah. to him, her anyone yeah. you know in that world well there's also the story of like some people did say yes but then they go back to their homes and they tell their son or their daughter or whatever oh i'm doing this thing and they're you know their families are like no you can't do that yeah, you can't go and back out yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so it was yeah it was, it was yeah That's sure. I, I mean it's not uh, um something you raised just a few few minutes ago uh uh mike and but yeah there are it's a great story a lot of people are trying to tell it uh as filmmakers do you do you worry about such things or do you just say no we've got a we know what we're trying to do and we have the way we're going to tell this story and you just you just go on you don't let that uh, be a factor or do you kind of do wonder what are the what are others doing how do you approach that? We're obviously always worried about what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Of course we are. But the truth is we did feel we had a very strong team of people mm -hmm. making this. And we had Netflix, which is a very, very big 
distribution platform. So we had some advantages baked in, um, I think. Um, and I so, I so I wasn't as worried about it as you might, I might have been, but but it was definitely made it very, very difficult to get, you know, the additional difficulty of getting interesting people because, you know, because so many other people were going after everyone. The same. But on our side, I, I want to add that, but I think what on our side, and, and I feel thankful because it's because I hear it time and time again from the survivors, and I've heard it from the survivors who were in this, is that they really feel like in the first um, series, the way that we treated the women with such respect, um, you know, they weren't hesitant to tell their stories. Yes, that he was dead, they weren't as fearful, but to still tell their story for the first time, mm -hmm. Uh, such as a couple of the women, in, you know, that were in the Maxwell story. Um, I think it's a it's a testament to them trusting us to do to treat them mm. properly and not to exploit them and make it feel gross and icky yeah. and, and all the things that it is. So um, we're proud of that and um, and happy that they're happy and you know with how their stories have been told. I mean, this other thing we've you're just we're also just talking about these people who don't want to talk and for various reasons. We're not saying anything about why they don't want to talk, but it's uh that's the big that's what comes out in all these is that there's this circle of it wasn't just Epstein, right? I mean there were uh loads of individual I'm assuming almost all men, uh, involved in this and uh that seems like that's the sort of next piece of the puzzle that really needs to be tackled do you think do would you agree and is there is is do you see anything afoot to to go i mean I, you do mention we you know uh you do talk about uh, prince andrew obviously in the in the in the dock that's one thing that's been happened in the last year but uh, i mean what do you what do you how do you feel about that i mean to me the biggest story since watergate is yeah. this story of yeah. all of those people and all of that and all of those people who run the world and the the the, the really the pervade the sort of widespread the reach mm. of this thing was astounding the sex trafficking operation the amount of people who were involved women and men yeah. who saw it and who looked the other way everywhere i mean not just in america not just palm beach you know like right. everywhere is incredible incredible and and uh yeah that story has not been told and it's inc it's it's the washington post the new york times i don't know what all those people are doing but they should be out there investigating this and getting all of those men should be held to count accountable i mean really. I, yeah well i will add that ha having <laughs> been on this a little bit longer Sadly, and it's completely wrong. I don't think, you know, the, the big, you know, the, some things that I've read, you know, about, about all of the docs is where are the names? Where are the names? It's like, right, you know what? Right, right. We know the names. Everybody kind of knows the names, but yeah. nobody can really publicly say these names because there's really no picture. Uh, there's no solid proof. And there's a huge cover up. We know there's a huge cover up. But who's at the head of the cover up? Well, that's a little muddy because it's been covered up. So it, right. <laughs> I don't think the story will ever really be told fully um, because of that very reason. So, yes, it's it's absolutely really the, the root of the story. But, you know, it's very difficult as a New York Times, as a Washington Post, as a Netflix, as an anyone to mention 
names. I mean, in, in the first Filthy Rich, we mentioned Clinton, Prince Andrew, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Dershowitz and and, and right. all of these things that you're able to, you know, that there's a story there um, that's been widely reported or there's some sort of, you know, corroboration to whatever it is that you're talking about. Um, but it's very, very difficult to, um, you know, th- these are very, very powerful people and people yeah. just aren't able to do that without risk ruining their having their own lives ruined by lawsuits and, and things that you just can't, you know, win against, you know, these powerful people. And, and it's sad, but that is, you know, really the story of power and privilege, how it wins and how it is won out. And I think it's very, very high levels of government that are covering up uh, a lot of this. Yeah. And yeah. then I think, yeah. And then things happen. I mean, the way, I mean, not to go down this rabbit hole, but the way Epstein obviously died. I mean, because it's such a cover up, it's just got everyone in the world just thinking the obvious, you know, yeah. whether it's true or not. And maybe it isn't. Maybe there's right. a good chance it isn't true. But, you know, what, what, are, what, are, people, what are people supposed to think, you know? Because the average person who's given any kind of notice to this story thinks, well, yeah, obviously there's more to this, you know? Um, okay, um, one more question. So do you want to shut this down, Allison, or or what? What You can unmute yourself. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. Uh, so before you... Ca- okay, well then... Um, then why don't we? That's fine. I was about to come to an end. If if it can be more than one question, but just maybe a couple more minutes, is that okay? Okay. Okay. Fine. Um, uh, so okay. Give a little pause so we can edit this. Um, so so Mike and uh, you're one of the cast as well. <laughs> was that uh, your uh, your uh, how did that come about? It's a really good question. Um, I uh, was at the trial every day, uh, including before, you know, when they were doing the jury selection. So I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, observing the the whole uh, legal procedure inside the courtroom. And I really found Bobby Sternum just an incredible mm-hmm. character. So I guess I just kind of more, I just, I kind of morphed into her voice. I think I, I wanted to find someone who was actually does this for a living and who could do it. But I just I just felt like I had it better because I had seen it and heard it every day so much, her whole shtick. And it was just so ingrained in me. And I just felt like I felt compelled because I'm really not interested in being an actress or anything like that. And she has a great deep voice. Obviously, I could not, I could portray the, the 16-year-old girl. My, my voice is a little <laughs> but Mike has a very commanding you know, voice. Yeah. So we liked her, but we had people read for it, but we liked Mikan's the best. So we just went with that. <laughs> it's oh. funny that you would notice that. And that's not a big point, I think. It was just, you know, just scrolling down. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't realize that that was, uh, it was Mikan doing that voice. I felt like uh, I channeled her a bit. I channeled her having did seen monster so much. You did. Um, so I, it's hard to believe, but we're actually coming to the end of our time together. And I just have uh, what we usually do at the very end is just ask you, what is, what's next for you? So uh, uh, Lisa, what's next? Another is, does Filthy Rich carry on? Is it, uh, or is there, because it's always filth, you know, well, or uh, what, I mean, what, what do you have on your plate? 
Uh, I think filthy rich probably is 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 done, but you never say never. I mean, you, you just never know what's going to happen in this story. So I would never say never for sure. Um, um, I don't want to say too much, but I'm working uh, on something in, a, in somewhat of a similar space, uh, which mm -hmm. I can't believe. But um, we'll see how that goes and if, if I can emotionally handle that. But um, I'm, I'm working on a project uh, right now. And and um, yeah, that's about all I can say. <laughs> okay. And, and Mike, and what's next for you? Uh, I know you're, well, you're, both of you are busy, but I know you're especially busy. We've had a few of your the docs that you've executive produced on the podcast. So uh, your name comes up regularly. Uh, but what's uh, what's next for you? So I have a film that's coming out t uh, tomorrow at the IFC called Tantora, which I produced, which is about the Israeli-Palestinian uh, war in 1948. And then I'm going to, I'm developing two other feature docs which again, I can't really talk about either because they are not in the same space as this, but they are mm. uh, sort of access based. So I'm working on just uh, developing developing those for for the new year. Um, but yeah, no, I think I'm going to try and stay away from the space for a while. It was a pretty pretty dark place to be. Yeah. I I, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, that's what we had. Sorry, uh, Lisa. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, how? Because you are in this space, or you have been in this space a bit. How do you cope with that? Because that's it is uh, can be know, a dark it's, place. It's a lot, but it also can be very rewarding because there are several survivors from the first uh, series as well as this one um, that I've maintained, you know, friendships with and relationships with because they, you know, I don't know if I'm have a surrogate mother look or something to me, <laughs> but. You know, a lot of these women are very damaged and for whatever reason, maybe they don't have a lot of support from their families. And and because I did uh, mostly interviews with the women um, and, and, and especially you know, in the first one, it, it's uh, it's something that, you know, it, it warms my heart that, that, that I have that place in their mm. lives. But it also it's a lot because some of them are still very damaged and they can be. Yeah you know, very emotional, you know, hot and cold. And, you know, sometimes they can take things out on you. And so anyway, mm. um, but it's not the exact same space, I should say, that I'm, that I'm working in, but I don't want to, you know, go too far there. I'm working on developing some other things as well that are okay. not in that space, just for my own headspace to be okay. Understood. Understood. Well, uh, I think uh, I've got to call it quits there because otherwise uh, the net I'll get wrapped on the hand for extending this any further, but it's been a pleasure for to have both of you on. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for making this film, and I wish you well with all your future endeavors. Just to remind our audience, we've been with uh, talking with Mike and Baird and Lisa Bryant, co-directors of Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich. Check it out on Netflix. It's uh, streaming now, and you'll find it most likely in the uh, top ten, right at the right at the front. So. Thanks again, and uh, hope you all wish you all well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I also would like to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. A big shout out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in York, England. A big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. Many of you have been with us for four incredible seasons. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. 
Please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.